This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I welcome all of you. Again, we're on our series, Decisions. I'm going to be on this for about two more weeks. Uh, I'll quit the week before Mother's Day, which is three weeks from today. Next week, I'm going to go off of Psalm 46, verse 10. It says, be still and know the Lord. So we're going to learn how to be still in a a 100-meter dash world. Learn what God wants us to do. That's next week. This week, though, we're back on decisions. If you've got a Bible or you need one, raise your hands and then go with me to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy 4. As they're doing this, I I had this in my heart early in the first service, and I kind of got it again. Many times in our life, we forget the faithfulness of God. How many in, in here remember the faithfulness of God in your life? Probably every one of us. God is faithful, and, and sometimes we need stuff to bring us back to remind us how faithful God is. If you're in a situation right now in your life where you're needing the faithfulness of God to show up, I want you to stand up. I'm standing, okay, guys? I'm standing. I'm, I'm, I'm believing God for the... See, here, this is why he's wanting us to do it. You're needing the faithfulness of God. Now, the rest of you who are seated... I want you to reach out your hand. Let's, let's just loose the faithfulness of God right here. Father God, we believe you're the faithful God. You're the God who never changes. You're the God who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever God. And Lord, we thank you that your faithfulness has been evident in our lives. And all over this room this morning, ones that are needing you to reveal your faithfulness in their situations, their circumstances... Their marriages, their children, even their physical bodies right now. We welcome your faithfulness and we give you glory and we say thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, hang on to that, okay? Grab a hold of that today and remind yourself throughout the week, my God is faithful. I'm I'm out drinking coffee out here early this morning. And in our parking lot, we have scars in our parking lot where, where they had to replace the gas line a couple years ago. The Lord just reminded me and he said, those scars in your parking lot are my faithfulness. Man, it stirred me back up that he's a faithful God. If he's aware of the scars in my parking lot, what about the scars on your heart? And so we serve a faithful God. Well, that was all free, okay? We could almost go home on that one right there today. That's that good. Go to with me the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4. And I'm going to hit some stuff again pertaining to social media. But what do you base your happiness on? What do you base your identity on? And the reason I ask you those questions is because if I base my happiness on my, or my identity On anything other than Jesus Christ, it's a high possibility that that has become an idol in my life. And the ten greatest commandments ever given, the ten commandments in Exodus 20, he said in Exodus 20 verse 3, he said, Have no other gods before me. Have no other gods in my presence. Now when we talk about idols, an idol to me and you would be an object. An idol would be a carved image. An idol could be a statue. 
But listen to the definition of an idol. An idol is anything that becomes a substitute for God in our lives. So have you made anything the substitute that God's supposed to be in your lives? So here's a thought. None of us would ever admit this, but do I worship my iPhone? Am I a member of First Church of Facebook? And so again, we're going to hit these things again because we, we do live in a social media society. And again, I'm not against social media. But does it serve you or does it enslave you? Good question, Pastor. So we begin Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15. Take careful heed to yourselves. A strong warning right here. For you saw no form, and the word form there means anything that likens or compares itself to God. For you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Orb out of the midst of the fire. Lest you act corruptly, and you make for yourselves a carved image in the form of any figure. Now, I highlighted that, that an idol becomes any figure. And notice what he says next. He says, the likeness or male or female. So we can make people in our lives our idols. If you look to someone to solve your problems more than you do God, that becomes an idol. If you've been married very long, it's very easy to get into the, the excuses of, well, my spouse is making me happy. Again, if I'm looking to my spouse to make me happy, I've taken God out of the equation. So it's interesting right here that he says male or female. Then he goes on to get into a little more in verse 17 and he says, The likeness of any animal that is on the earth, or the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, or the likeness of any fish that is in the water beneath the earth. Take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you feel driven to worship them and to serve them. You feel seduced, is what one translation says, to worship them. To worship the stars, to worship the moon. To worship the sun. And when we look at things like that, we have the thought, well, that's not relevant. That's silly. That's crazy. I would never worship those things. But he gives a strong warning again that anything I substitute for God in my life becomes an idol. He goes on to say, which the Lord your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt to his people, as an inheritance as you are this day. And so to God, we are a special, special possession to him. Now I want to read verse 24 because this is a different way to look at God here. It says, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. You know the word jealous God there is a covenant name for him. And when we talk about the jealous God, he desires you in the most purest and relentless way. In other words, God doesn't want to share you. And his jealousy is not in a controlling way, but his jealousy is his passionate commitment to me and you. And you know what God says? 
I'm all in. I'm all in. And, and in no way is this jealousy uh, uh, above the things of this world. He says it's an absolute intolerance to anything but him. And so when I begin to look at this here, let me ask you some questions. Where or what do you turn to when you're hurting? Where or what do you turn to when life isn't going the way you desire it to be? Where do you turn to or what do you turn to when you need emotional rescue? See, do I turn to God? Do I turn to people? Again, this is some of the things that I think we got to highlight. Now, turn just a couple pages to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'll begin reading here in verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and cast out many nations before, and I'm not going to list all these. There are all these ites. There's seven different ites. The Hittites, the Amorites, the Maulites, the Superbolites, the Shoppingites, the Mosquito Bites, all of the above, okay? Why does he mention all those? Verse 2. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant or treaty with them, nor show mercy to them. You know what he's saying? Don't let them off the hook. And the reason he's telling this is to protect us from ruin, from idolatry and immorality. Now this is an interesting verse. Because we hear about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. Oh, the God is love, 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 love. And I'm not against the love of God. I believe in the love of God. But people will say, well, if he's the God of love, why did he tell them to destroy them? This is a covenant side of God that many times we don't want to talk about or we don't look at. God is a just God. He's a just God. What does a just God mean? He will do just exactly as he says he's going to do. And God is very clear that the wages of sin is death. And so all these ites in this, this passage, they wouldn't serve God. They served all these other false gods and false religions. And so God's telling them as covenant people, you don't want to mess around with them. Now look how serious he is about this, verse 3. Nor shall you make marriage with them. Don't marry them. You shall not give your daughters to their son or take their daughter for your son. Why? For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and will destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. Now watch the words in this passage. You shall destroy their altars. And break down their sacred pillars. And cut down their wooden images. And burn their carved images with fire. Now if you'll note in here, no way did God say tolerate it. He didn't say manage it. He said, get them out of your life, even if that means burning up stuff. Get rid of it. And so he's telling us, 
the significance of what happens when we flirt around with things that we shouldn't. Verse number 6. For you are a holy people. The word holy there means you are a separated people. To the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. And so as I read this and he talks about destroy, burn up, cut down. Is there anything in your life that has more more of a grip on you than the things of God? In answering that, what do you pursue? What do you give the majority of your attention and the majority of your time to? See, God understands this. We have this pie in our lives, and this pie is 24 hours a day. God knows in there that you're going to sleep for so many hours, depending on how much sleep you need. You go to work for so many hours a day. You have uh, uh, things in your life that you must get done. But have I cut God completely out of the pie? Have I eliminated Him? And I give my attention to other things that I probably shouldn't. See, many times we're more concerned about how many followers I have on Facebook than me actually following Jesus. Ow, that hurt. And many times we're more concerned about the pictures or the posts I make and we get over to a thing called jealousy where we think, wow, they have five more times to post or five more times response to my post than theirs. But my identity and your identity isn't based on social media. My identity is based on the things of God. That when I begin to see myself the way God sees me, so again, they don't define you. They don't define me. Now, turn back to your left to the book of Numbers, chapter 15. Numbers 15, and as you're turning there, I'm going to give you some staggering statistics that just came out in the last few weeks. This may identify you, okay? 58% of all people in America cannot go one waking hour without checking their phone. I don't see any nudging going on, so okay. 59% check email as soon as it comes in. 89% of people on vacation will check their email every single day. 87% of teenagers sleep with their phone. Teenagers, is that true? Some of us adults say, yeah, it's true for us. 75% of young adults say they suffer anxiety when they're not connected to any form of technology. Wow. So what has become a good thing can be turned into a bad thing when this becomes my dependence of happiness and value when I look to that and I look to that. And so this is one of the reasons we're talking about it. Now, we go to another passage here. This is Numbers 15. Verse 37, again the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generation and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. 
Why? And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. Now, I'm going to stop right there. They would put tassels from their sleeves. They would put tassels from their coats. And those tassels were put there for them to remind them of the commandments of God. But if you'll notice something, he didn't say just to remember them. He said that we may actually do them or observe them. And so as human beings, we need reminders about the things of God. But this verse here, verse 39, it has some interesting things when he ends. And he says that you may not follow the harlotry. The word harlotry here is rooted in unfaithfulness. So you know what he just told them? Don't be unfaithful to the things of God. And look how it looks. To which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. So he begins to say, you're going to become dominated by the things in your heart and the things that you see if I don't stay focused on the Word of God and doing the Word of God. So here for a minute, let's think about things that pull you away from God in your own life. Could it be food? Could it be entertainment? Could it be sporting events? Could it be shopping? Now, I'm going to state this clearly. None of those things that I just mentioned are evil or sinful. Except when they begin to dominate me. Except when these are things that begin to take the place of God in my life. And if there had to be a choice between these things in my life or the things of God, what would you choose? See, those are scary questions. And anytime I look to anyone or anything to fulfill only what Father God can do for me, it becomes an idol in my life. Now, let me tell you this true story here. This rocked my world when I heard this. There's a missionary who's an American. He goes to India to witness to the people of India. The first day that he's there, he witnesses a woman that is sacrificing a chicken to a carved image. So I want you to get this picture in your mind, okay? He witnesses this woman take the machete, cut the head of this chicken off, go to a carved image, and put the blood all over the altar, and begins to worship that carved image. Now, every one of us in this room, we would say, man, that's crazy. That is idolatry to the finest or to the T. Would we agree? I would agree. So three days later, this American missionary runs into this woman. And he recognizes, you're the one who was sacrificing the chicken. Now, he doesn't say that to her. He introduces himself as an American missionary. He says, I'm here to tell you about Jesus. She responds and says, I was in America three years ago. 
He said, how did you like America? And she said, I hated it. He said, why did you hate America? And she said, America is full of more idolatry than any place I've ever been. He says, tell me why. She said, I'll give you three things to start off with. Number one, Americans are dominated by the idol of food. I like food. You think about this in Lubbock, Texas. Hey, we're getting a new P.F. Chang's. Hey, have you, new, have you had that new unicorn frap at Starbucks? That one that looks like a little pink pony they put in a blender? That stuff's crazy, isn't it? Okay, let me get back to the story. I'll get sidetracked. Number two, they worship TVs. That their whole house is centered around TV. And she said, number three, the worst of all is they worship their cell phones. Now, why did I say that rocked my world? Because in my mind, I can say, wow, they're, they're sacrificing chickens to a wooden carved image. And, and we agree that's idolatry. But to this woman, we're far worse in idolatry than they are. It's sad when you have to look in the mirror and think that could be possibly true. He ends in verse 40 of Numbers 15. And that you remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. Not just to be holy. He's saying you live holy. You're to be different. We're separated. We're not supposed to mirror the world. I'm not supposed to allow this world to cause me to live by this standard or that standard. I'm to live by the commandments of God. And anytime I get off the commandments of God, it's not going to be well for any of us. Go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Now as you're turning there, idol worship is rooted in in self-centeredness. Idol worship has to do with me. But God doesn't ask us to be self-centered. God asks us to be selfless. And God's idea is we, we quit expecting God to serve us. And us serve God instead. Now let me give you something here that's going to really get you before we get to Matthew 16. 80% of social media is rooted in me. 80% of social media is to idolize ourself. That's the whole notion behind a selfie. A selfie says, look at me, look what I'm doing. Now, this is what will get you here on that. The study of people that give themselves over and over to selfies is rooted in one of two ways. It's rooted in the area of pride or arrogance that says, look at me. Or it's rooted in a very low self-esteem. 
But either way, it says, look at me. So this is what happens within our culture. Our culture says, look at me, look at me. Show a little skin. Promote yourself. But what does Jesus say? Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus says to his disciples, If you desire to come after me, let him deny himself. Note there, Jesus didn't say, promote yourself. He actually used the word, deny yourself. So again, you know what Jesus told me? It's not about me. But anytime it has to be about me, then I'm going to get into trouble. The second thing he says in that verse is, take up his cross. So when you think of a cross, what is a cross representative? It's representative of death. I got to die to myself, my selfish ambitions. And when you think about the cross, the cross is a radical commitment to Jesus. He said, take up his cross. And he ends with this and says, follow me. He didn't say how many followers you can get. He said, follow me. Imitate me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, will find it. So Jesus is here saying, man, you got to be committed. you got to be committed to my cause above anything else. Verse 26. For what profit is to a man... If he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Now that's an interesting passage. Jesus wouldn't have mentioned that if that wasn't a possibility. So did you see what he said? You can gain the whole world. You can be the social media king or queen. But lose your soul. And understand this, the way we live on our time in the earth right now, with every one of us alive in here, it will determine our eternal destination. And so when we die on this journey called earth, it's not the end of the story. Actually, it's just the beginning because when we get to heaven, that's where we'll spend eternity at or hell. And we must understand this as Christians. To give my life to Jesus and get born again, that's the starting point. That's not the ending point. The Bible over and over talks about that once you get born again, that I'm, I'm to live for Him, I'm to hunger and thirst for righteousness, I am to pursue Him. And so when I begin to do those things and I look to Jesus and I live for Jesus, there becomes a transformation in my life. The transformation will be witnessed by other people. They'll begin to look and say, and you're different. You look different. You act different. You do these things differently. But here's the point. If there's not a transformation in your life, you may have to look at this in your own life and think, did I really get born again? Did I really give my heart to Jesus? Because if there's not a transformation in your life, there's concern. 
How many of you, when you go to the family reunion now, they look and say, man, there's a difference in you. Or they look like, you still act like the rest of us. See, this is what Jesus is talking about. And his goal is for, for us to look or reflect like him, not the world. We're not called to be like the world. We're not called to act like the world. So what happens to us as human beings? We come to church on Sunday, and many times we come to church as, as a duty. But actually, when I come to church, I ought to come in here and I say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to praise you. Man, we got out of bed. We're going to come with a passion and a zeal today to worship God. Instead of thinking, because I came to church out of a duty, I did God a great favor. Hang Paz, you're preaching good. Woo! Go with me to the book of John, chapter 5. John chapter 5. Now as we're going there, let me ask you something. Do you compulsively check your emails? Does every time your phone beeps, buzzes, or dings, do you sense this unstoppable or relentless force that says, I've got to answer it right now? i got to look right now. And if you have to post and post and post, and if you have to answer, click, glance, and you can't go more than one hour, whether it's at school, whether it's a business meeting, whether it's at lunch, whether it's at church without glancing or looking, you got a problem. You have a dysfunctional relationship with social media. Ow, pastor, that hurt. Well, I think we need to begin to look at this stuff and realize I'm being dominated by something that I don't need to be dominated by. And again, I'm not saying that social media is of the devil. Does it enslave me or does it serve me? See, that's the question for each one of us. You know, uh, there, there's a, a man that I was reading about the other day. And he said, we became the typical American family. That my home in the evenings when we got home from school or work, we would sit down to eat, the TV was on, there was some form of music on, and everybody at the dinner table had their phones out. Some of you say, that sounds like my house. And it began to bother the daddy. So you know what he did? He made a rule. When we come in here to sit down at this table, no TVs, no music, and he would make his children turn off their cell phones, and put it in a basket. That's cruel and unusual punishment, isn't it? You know what he said? He said, our family dynamics change just because that hour of being able to look at each other and fellowship. Oh, pastor, we couldn't do that. Why not? 
My children wouldn't approve of that. Well, who died and made your children mommy and daddy? It's a new sheriff in town. Again, I don't mean that ugly, okay? Well, kind of. I'm just revealing to every one of us what we're dealing with in our society right now. And this is the flow. This is the flow. But Christians, we're not called to get into the flow. Actually, we're called to go against the flow. We're called to be Christ-like. John 5, verse 1. I'll end with this. If you guys really shout amen in this. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in the Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude, not just a few, a bunch, a great multitude of sick people, a great multitude of blind, lame, paralyzed, and they wait for the moving of the water. So get this picture, there's this massive pool, and I guess it's surrounded by all these people that are in need of something, and then they're waiting for the move of the water. Watch what happens next. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool, and it stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Whoever. But it was just one. One went home happy. The other multitude, it wasn't a good deal. Verse 5. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. A deep-seated disorder. So for 38 years... This man, he couldn't work, and evidently he looked to other people to help him. Verse 6, and when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? That question, it, it kind of seems like Jesus was insensitive. That Jesus didn't really care. Do you really want to be made well? Well, die, Lord Jesus. What do you think? That's like saying to a homeless man, do you want a home or do you want a meal? And so when I look at this, why did Jesus ask that man if he wanted to be made well? Because oftentimes we get so used to how we live every day that we really don't want to change. That our problems become our lifestyles. Keep reading. The sick man answered, sir, I have no man to put me in the water. Now, wait just a second. He said, I have no man. No right there, guys. He doesn't mention God at all. What happens when we give all our attention to man and we never give attention to God? And it's very easy to get caught up in that. Where we're always looking to people. But he said, I have no man to put me in. To the pool when the water stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. Let's tweet that one out. You cannot change what you're willing to...
to tolerate. I can't help someone that needs help. I can only help someone that truly wants help. Woo! Verse 8. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk. Jesus said that. Now, you know what would have been very easy for him to do? He could have looked and he knocked on the, on the water or the pool, the, the wood, and said, wait, wait a minute, Mr. Jesus. I haven't walked in 38 years. What are you talking about? Rise up, take up your bed, and walk. Well, the first step in overcoming procrastination is i got to get rid of every reason and every excuse that continually binds me and keeps me from doing that. And I've got to take decisive and immediate action. I either give up or I get up. I either complain or I obtain. I either live with irresponsibility or I live with accountability. Interesting thoughts, huh? What dominates you? That you got to make some immediate decisions and take action. I can tell you for many years of my life, I was dominated by alcohol. But when I begin to say, Lord, I hate that stuff. I hate what is done to me. God begins to come on the scene and God will grace you in those areas. And there was a couple things I had to quit doing. Number one, I had to break up with my friends. You break up with those people, God will begin to move in your life. Break up with the addiction to stupid people. Pastor, was that you? That was me to a T. Number two, the package stores I divorced. They were off limits. In other words, I couldn't give myself any excuse or reason to go near those. I couldn't do it. And the next thing I begin to ask God, grace me, Father God, in this area. Grace me. See, what are you addicted to, do, to, addicted to today? Is there things that dominate you? If you say, I'm dominated by social media. I had a guy in the first service, after his service, said, pray for me, Pastor. He said, this is me to a, a T. Every time my phone dings, he said, I pull it out. I do it. He said, I don't want to live that way. And he said, this took the scripture, the word of God, to get me to a place where I know in my heart i got to make some changes. What would happen if you fasted your phone for 30 days? Oh, Pat, I couldn't do that. Here's a big revelation for some of you. Phone or cell phones haven't always been around. There used to be just landmines. Landlines, okay? There was a lady that she knew in her heart this was going on. She went on a 21-day fast from her cell phone. She said it was worse than going on a fast of food for 21 days. She said, I cringed. She said, I bucked. I revolted on the inside. And she kept saying, God, you got to grace me. you got to grace me. Well, the reason a 21-day fast is really powerful because anything we do for 21 straight days normally becomes a habit. 
And she said, after the 21 days, she said, I couldn't real, I couldn't believe how much time I had with my children, my spouse. She said, I had time to work out. I had time to shop that I used to didn't. And the question was asked to her, are you back on cell, on, on social media? And she said, yes. But no more than one hour a day. See, again, I'm not telling us we don't have to do that. But i got to put some boundaries on me. God doesn't want your resume. God wants you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.